Alright everybody, welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast here on the Everything Unscripted Podcast Network. I am your host for this evening, the host with the most restraining orders, Doug Hummer. <laughs> uh, joining me, of course, is Eric. What's up? Okay. Uh, Daniel, of course, is off tonight. He's a little under the weather. Cliniff is stuck on a train. Uh, so he should be joining us in a little bit, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but tonight's episode, so tonight is something very interesting. We're going to be doing, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've actually done a Clash of Champions. Yeah. The last one we did was the um, booking this one thing. We did our own unscripted. Yeah, yeah, we we booked our own or whatever, right? So, like, we've never actually reviewed one before. Uh, And this one's an interesting one. The uh, 32nd anniversary was this past uh, past Monday. Monday. Uh, so we're going back to June 12th, 1991 for Clash of Champions 15, the Knoxville Knockout from Nashville, Tennessee, or from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, and we're going to, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in, uh, in just a second. But I, Eric, I know, I, Eric, are you ready for AEW collision tomorrow night? Yeah, I, I'm actually excited to see um, what CM Punk has to say. I mean, he did an interview where I just read, and he did sort of apologize. I'm not a CM Punk fanboy anymore, but I'm, I'm still intrigued by him sometimes. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting show. And I'm excited about the main event. I think it's going to be a good main event. It's Which is him and FTR versus uh, uh, versus Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe, right? Yep. So, so like here, here's the thing. CM Punk is one of those people that every time you hand him a microphone, you need to unplug it before you give it to him. Yeah, it's the same thing with MJF. Like, well, no, because MJF talks a good game in MJF is really like you're pretty sure he's playing a character, but like, he's not really coming off. Nobody really gives a fuck what he has to say as far as like the boys go. Yeah. Cause they're just like, Oh, it's just MJF. Yeah. Punk just doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I think so, he kind of addressed that. Yeah. So, like, if Tony Khan just comes, uh, just went up to him and said, look, please don't talk. Like, nothing good comes from you opening your fucking mouth. I mean, he's going to have to talk tomorrow because it's in Chicago and it's the first time he's back in nine months, so. Look, all he's gonna ha- all he should really do tomorrow is promote the match he's gonna be in. Yeah, that's all you need to do. 
Punk, if you're listening to this, keep your god, keep your fucking mouth shut. Don't talk about the elite. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about any of the bullshit. Don't talk about the media scrum. Just say, hey, it's good to be back in Chicago. Uh, you know, after the show, go get a muffin or something or whatever the fuck that muffin place is that he liked. And just watch FTR and I beat the crap out of Samoa Joe and uh, the Bullet Club Gold or whatever the fuck. Don't say anything else. Hype the match. Make a challenge to somebody for either Forbidden Door or All In or All Out or whatever. After that, just shut the fuck up. You do not need to talk. It's probably going to make Penta. I think Penta might make an appearance tomorrow to set up for being indoors for, for next Sunday. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it tomorrow night or not. I know... I mean, we're going to do a show tomorrow. Well, as far as I know, we're doing a show tomorrow because uh, we might go. Or I don't know what time we'd end up going, but we might go see the Flash movie tomorrow. Uh, just let me know. Yeah. I mean, the plan is to do a show. But, we do, uh, we do. If we don't, then we'll come back next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, but like, I'm excited for wrestling to be back on Saturday nights because to be honest with you, wrestling, especially when I was a kid, wrestling was a staple on Saturdays. Oh, yeah. Now, do you think they should have put it at 6 o'clock instead of 8? Like, Saturday night? In the day with WCW? I think they would have been uh, classified too much like WCW. Because they already get enough WCW comparisons to begin with. Yeah, rightfully so, because they are kind of... Because even with this show that we're gonna about to do, they did rankings, and where did they get that from? I mean, they yeah. probably didn't get it directly from WCW, but I watched that and said, wait, WCW used to do that? Yeah, they did it up until uh, the following year uh, when Bill Watts came in. Bill Watts is the one that got rid of the rankings. Okay. I think it was him. Maybe Bill. Maybe somebody should come in and get rid. I mean, they kind of got rid of it now. They don't really oh, do yeah. I, I really don't think they do it that much. I mean, they still keep, like, the records and stuff. Yeah, which is fine. <clears throat> but, like, uh I mean, and also, too, like, if you look at Collision's logo, it looks a lot like WCW Monday Nitro and, uh, you know, all this stuff. But, no, like, I think I think this actually is a good time slot because, you know, most people, especially, you know, there's going to be people that are probably going to be, you know, either – you know, they might go to a bar. They might go, you know, whatever. Like eat dinner. Yeah. You know, or eat dinner or whatever. And, like, they're going to be – a lot of people, especially, like, a lot of – not necessarily the younger people, like the 18 to 20-something-year-olds, but, like, people that are getting, that are getting to be our age, they're going to be home by 8 o'clock ready to go to bed. 
Yeah. So, like, uh, you know, eight o'clock could be a good uh, could is definitely a good time for this because, and then also too, you got to remember, not just Saturday night was a big staple back, you know, in the, you know, back when we were kids, but also you know, WWF had programs back when we were kids that aired on Saturday yep. night. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, just that about ten years, just about movie. ten years ago, Ring of Honor had a show on Saturday nights. Yep, that was their staple Saturday night. Yeah, you know, and TNA Impact they ran Saturdays for a long time. So like Saturday has always been like a really good day for wrestling. Uh, I mean, yeah. nobody I think did it better than WCW with WCW Saturday Night, but. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And now pay-per-view. Now WWE is doing pay-per-views on Saturday night. Yeah. Is Money in the Bank next Sunday? No, next Saturday? Uh, no, Money in the Bank is... Uh, fuck. Oh, July. That's right. Yeah, July 1st. Thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Sharon. She didn't hear you. She walked out of the room. Uh, but uh but yeah no, like but yeah no so i'm excited for it just because it kind of takes it takes me back to the uh uh semi old days yeah to the old days yeah, there's some good wrestling shows coming up so in the next 3 weeks You got Collision tomorrow, stuff been and doing next Sunday, and then you got uh, Money in the Bank the following Saturday. And the next three weekends is going to be pretty good for re- um, if you're a wrestling fan. Tune in. Absolutely. All right, you ready to get in? Uh, ready to get into this? Yep. I have the card on my phone. Um, yeah, no, I. I got it. I got it on mine too, so we can go match by match, segment by segment, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to stall time for Clintus a little bit, but I think he'll get here when he, he'll get here when he gets here. Yep. But, get home safe, Clintus. Huh? No, I was saying get home safe. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's see. All right. So, Clash of Champions 15, June 12, 1991, Civic Auditorium, Knoxville, Tennessee. There was 5,000 people there. It drew a 3.9 It drew a 3.9 rating, which, to be honest with you, like, they kind of considered it a disappointment. But to be honest with you, like, these days, I'm pretty sure – most companies would kill for a 3.9 rating. Oh, yeah. Huh. Definitely. Like, as I don't think any company does a 3.9 rating now. I I don't even think WWE no, can pull even. 3.9. Yeah, they're, they're barely doing 2.5. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like, they haven't done – I don't think WWE's done a three since, uh, what, 2013, 2014? Probably. When, ironically, CM Punk was there and – no. No, CM Punk had already left, but, yeah, it's been it's been a good 10 years. Yeah, because uh, I think – like the raw ratings really started to go down like right after punk left and you know Daniel Bryan was there and yeah cuz i think uh what should we call it uh cuz i think like WrestleMania is like 30 and 31 were the, the last ones that really had people's attention because people really started to turn on the company when Rain started becoming the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was one of them. Yeah, you were. Fucking prick. I, I like him now, so that's what matters. Yeah, it just took a while. Yeah. But, all right, so here, this was a very interesting time for WCW because, you know, they were at a point where Jim Hurd was in charge as far as, like, he was running the company, you know, for Turner. And Dusty Rhodes was in charge of the booking. And there was a lot of issues. Jim Hurd had a lot of issues with Ric Flair back in the day. Although Jim Hurd, I think, had issues with a lot of guys back in the day. Yeah. So, like, it was funny because... Huh? I think he probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jim Hurd really did not know much about the wrestling business, and he had certain guys that he liked. Flair was not one of them. Oh, he didn't like Flair? Wow. Oh, no, he hated Flair. Flair, uh, Flair was head booker for WWE back in, like, the later half of 1989, early half of 1990. Mm -hmm. And because Jim Hurd kept interfering in what Flair was trying to do, Flair said, fuck it, and quit his head booker. And Jim Hurd kept trying to get the belt off him. And Flair was like, all right, if you want to get the belt off me, let me out of my contract and let me go up north. And Jim Hurd's like, I can't let you do that. He goes, all right, then I'm going to be the fucking champion and you're going to like it. He gave me an ultimatum. Yeah. I mean, and then like he dropped the title to Sting for a little while, but then Flair got it back. And Jim Hurd really wanted Lex Luger to be the champion. Now, he didn't win. That's Luger than Oh, no. I'll, I'll ask that question then. Yeah. So here, 
It basically starts, so we're at this time period where Flair is still there, although it's not going to be that much longer. And Flair, they made Flair cut his hair and all that. The main event of this thing is going to be Flair versus Beautiful Bobby, two out of three falls for the world title. But the show starts with Missy Hyatt welcoming everybody to the show, Pauly Dangerously, uh, who was just a piece of shit back then, but not a fat piece of shit like he is now. Uh, yeah, he looked he look like a douchebag, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, well, that look never changed except for the fact that he, except for the fact that he's fat now. Yeah, I mean, Missy High, wow. Yeah, she uh, she was attractive back in the day. Oh yeah, easy tiger. <laughs> So, uh, so they open up with that, and then, you know, Missy shoves the microphone back in Paulie's chest. They go to Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross is like, oh, God, they're already starting. They hive up yep. the main event, and then we head into match number one, which is a six-man tag. The WCW United States Tag Team Champions, the Fabulous Freebirds and Bad Street, with Diamond Dallas Page, the Diamond Doll, and Big Daddy Dink, uh, take on the Z-Man and the Young Pistols, Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. Uh, Match only goes a few minutes. Uh, The Z-Man and the Pistols get the win with uh, stereo uh, sunset flips. Eric, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a decent opening match. They stole, they stole the win. Um, as you said, it went about seven minutes. Is that here? So it, it was a decent opening match. I like. I think I they it clocked good. it in at like four. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was too short, but I thought it was still decent for what it was. I would give it probably a five. And that's the thing is that, like, when you're on a TV like this and you know you have so much to get to, the t- the TV ma- the matches on Clash of Champions weren't always that long, uh, especially when you had, like, an 8 to 10 match card because you had so much to get to. Especially, like, the two hours, three falls and yeah. the, uh, the bigger matches. Right. So here, this was pretty much, I think, just to showcase, you know, the Free Birds and Bad Street as the legit team, and then to kind of continue the feud with the Young Pistols that they had going on. I mean, I would give it, to be honest with you, I would only give it like a four and a half. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't like great. Yeah, it wasn't nothing. It was nothing special. Right. So. All right, next match, we have Oz with the Great Wizard versus Johnny Rich. For anybody not keeping score at home, Oz would become a guy by the name of Diesel 
and then would also go under go by his real name Kevin Nash. Yeah, I didn't know who because uh, at first they said it was he was like seven foot. And was it when he first came out? It was like that the guy didn't look like seven foot, but then when he came out and revealed, oh, that's coming that shit. That's a young Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah. And ironically, we would see later on his future tag his future tagging partner and best friend later on. Yeah. And what was funny about this yeah. is Kevin Nash hated the gimmick. He like did? he used to call Dusty Rhodes a piece of shit for years for coming up with that gimmick for him. <laughs> yeah, it 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 didn't seem like it fit him. It just, like, was weird. It was weird to see Kevin Nash that way, obviously. Yeah. Well, because, and also, too, uh, even though, like, uh, companies wanted to be different than the WWF, for some reason, Jim Hurt thought that, you know, being like the WWF would be a good thing, too. Even though, like, there was a lot of people in the company that wanted to focus more on the wrestling, but Jim Hurt wanted more characters. So Oz was created. How long did it last? Uh, Till about November, December. Because then in January of the following year, he became Vinny Vegas. Oh, wow. How soon before he left for the um, E? What F? I mean. He left in... uh, February of 93, or no, May of 93. Okay. And then you became Dido for all his time in uh, WMS, and then he went back yeah. to WCW. Mm-hmm. So most of his career was in WCW. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. So he's a true WCW guy. Pretty much. So, but so so this, yeah, this man here, it didn't go man. long. He hit like two moves. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is what it needed to be. Yeah, a squash match. Yeah. It what was to showcase you- him. It was showcase how. They wanted to show how um, bit, um, dominant he could be. Yeah. So what do you give it? I'll give it a three. Yeah, I'll probably do the same thing. All right, next it, up. It, it did what it needed to do. Right. Next up, we have Dangerous Dan Spivey versus Big Josh. Uh, So, I didn't think the match was that bad. I do think the wrong guy won because they really weren't Spivey would be gone, like, not that long after. But... What did you think? I thought it was 
below average. I mean, I didn't think it was special. It, was, it did what it did. As you said, the wrong guys won. Yeah. So I'll probably give it a, another three or two. Okay. I mean, I didn't really have, like I said, the only issue I had with the match is who went over. I mean, I understand what Kevin Sullivan did because he was managing somebody that Big Josh was in a feud with. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I would have, I would have had Big Josh go over. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to give it a four just because I thought the match was halfway decent. But, yeah, I did not agree with the finish. Yeah. So, all right, next up, we have, all right, so they did run down the WCW top 10 rankings, and I can't, Sting comes in at number six, and Elegante came in at number three. Who was number one? Yeah, because back in the day, the U.S. champion was always deemed the number one contender. Uh, okay. That makes sense. When did they retire that uh, U.S. heavyweight championship? And it just became the U.S. champion. They changed the name and just became the United States. They just changed the name. I think the belt had always stayed the same. Okay. They didn't use the heavyweight anymore in the, in right. the name. That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah. No. So, but yeah, so that was the top. I always liked the top 10 rankings because I always liked seeing, because, you know, back when you're a kid, you get to see, you know, sometimes you get to see your favorites ranked in the top 10. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool seeing that. I said, that's pretty cool. And you got and yeah. Austin was number ten. That that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He would get higher, you know, late, uh, later on as you know the year went on. Yeah. When when I was watching a little bit sixteen, I saw the ranking. He 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 got up to like six or something. Yeah. So. All right, next up, we have Jason Hervey on the Danger Zone with Paulie Dangerously. So for anybody that needs a backstory, back at Clash of Champions 14, Missy Hyatt beat Paulie Dangerously in an arm wrestling match, and they had been feuding back and forth. They were like husband and wife, if you saw them on TV. Well... You say they're like husband and wife, but for, but Paul, like the Paulie Dangerously character was very sexist, you know, back in the day. Yeah, it was. So, like, he hated the opposite sex. Damn. To be honest with you, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, made sense. Yeah. I mean, now, I was he married at the time? No, I don't think he was married at the time. I know he ended up, I don't know if he ended up marrying somebody and then they just had kids and then the woman realized that she fucked up and left. Or... 
no way. Or if he just snuck in their bedroom yeah. window and stole the kids, or or what? <laughs> I, I guess the character fit his personality at the time. Oh yeah, he was an ass. Actually, technically, kind of still is. Yeah. Not so, as bad as he used to be, but he still is. So basically, he calls out Jason Hervey because Jason Hervey, in storyline, is dating Missy Hyatt. Uh Jason Hervey, of course, a big WCW fan, uh, the future business partner of Eric Bischoff. And Jason Hervey also at one time was a WCW executive. So uh, anyway, so he insults Missy Hyatt. Jason Hervey takes offense to it, goes to leave, dangerously cracks him in the back of the head with his cell phone. Missy Hyatt then comes running out, going after dangerously, and this actually starts to set up the Great American Bash and what was supposed to be a cage match like they had advertised. One of the original main events for the Great American Bash was supposed to be in a cage. Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, and Paulie Dangerously versus the Steiner Brothers and Missy. Wow. But... Missy was going to fight? Well, that was WCW's plan. The issue was, and we'll get into it also a little bit later on, because what happened with the Steiner brothers kind of influenced that too. But also the Maryland state athletic commission was not really uh, planning on letting Missy Hyatt wrestle a man in a cage. Exactly. You shouldn't. And the Maryland state athletic commission still to this day, like, if you claim to be a sport, you have to follow what the commission says. And speaking of that, I think WWE, AEW got in trouble for that um, one time because they were in Baltimore and one of their matches was, didn't fit the uh, standards. Yeah, that was the... Uh, I believe. That was the, the Moxley Omega unsanctioned match. Remember that was uh, when uh, that Chris Cruz called the com- called the commission and said, uh, oh yeah, just so you know, like if you guys weren't paying attention, these guys broke your rules. Oh yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, we, we talked about that, that guy that he's 8W. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, that was pretty much like yeah, the uh, the State Athletic Commission in Maryland, they were, yeah, there was no way they were going to let that that cage match happen. Yeah, because I, I don't think they even have UFC. I don't think they've ever had a UFC event. 
Well, yeah, you I, know, because uh, blood is not allowed. Like, you're not allowed to bleed. Uh, like, most wrestlers, like, as far as, like, wrestling in uh, in Baltimore or anywhere in Maryland goes, you can't bleed during a match. Yeah. Are they, like, one of the few states that have that um, rule? Yeah, because they're one of the few states that technically still follow, as far as wrestling goes, that still okay. follow the state athletic, that still follow the state athletic commission rules. Yeah. I know Everybody else is kind of lenient. For, uh, These guys yeah. don't want to be lenient, so. Yeah. But, uh, all right, Cliff. It's after seven o'clock. Where the fuck are you? Uh, next up, we have the natural Dustin Rhodes versus the computerized man of the nineteen nineties, Terrence Taylor of the York Foundation, with Alexandra York and Mister Hughes. This is a rematch from Super Brawl One, a match in which Dustin Rhodes won. Uh. Dustin Rhodes wins via DQ after Ricky Morton comes out and kicks Dustin Rhodes in the schnoz. Uh, They were teasing that the next member of the York Foundation was going to be revealed later in the show. Apparently, Ricky Morton couldn't wait. And that broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Probably broke Foxman's heart, too, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. That probably... We'll talk about that one later, what happened later, but that kind of broke my heart there. <laughs> what do you think of the match, Eric? It, it was fun to see a young young Dustin Rhodes. That's not gold dust. Um, I, thought, I thought he was pretty good in the ring. He, he really did look like his father, um, Dusty, in the ring. It, he, um, especially with the uh, moves he did, some of the moves he did. Yeah. And the way he walked. Flop and fly. Yeah. And the way he walked, too, it, it, it reminded me of um, um, Dusty. Yeah. For the match itself, I, I thought it was another below average match. Yeah. I'll give it another three. Okay. I mean, I'm going to go four just because, like, I do think that they did a decent job of telling the story and the whole Ricky Morton thing. I mean, you're going to find out, like, in a lot of these matches, especially if we do more of these clashes, like, a lot of these matches pretty much, you know, they couldn't go like a full like 15, 20 minutes because you only had certain TV time you could fill. Exactly. It's not a pay-per-view where you can go three hours, four hours long. Yeah. So, all right, next up, one of the big matches on this show, Nikita Koloff, the Russian Nightmare versus Sting. Uh, this was a crush match after Nikita Koloff struck Sting with the Russian chain at Super Bowl. Sting looking for revenge. Uh, Sting got the win after about nine minutes. 
after a roll-up. Eric, what do you think? Yeah. I thought this was one of the better matches on the card. Um, I, this is a good story. Um, later on in the show, we'll, there's more to it. Um, but I thought this was a good um, thing with the fan favorite, and Miss um, Karloff was um, the bad guy from Rush, Russia, I guess. Well, that's where he was from built from. He actually really – he's actually a graduate of Robbinsdale, Minnesota High School. And can speak perfect English. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, from Russia, air quotes. I thought this was a good storyline. Um, you got your baby face, top baby face, and you got your badass heel who's trying to kill him. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was one of the better match. Probably, to be honest, it probably might have been the best better matches on the card. Probably the best. Maybe. Right. So I'll give it a seven. I mean, I'm going to give it an eight just because I really did. I mean, I felt like, you know, Sting, you know, was kind of dominated, but I felt like Koloff needed to do that. Yeah. And you needed to make Nikita look strong, and the finish, I think, did make Nikita look strong. Because Sting really does not need to look strong, because Sting is like one of their strongest performers. And he got to roll up real fast, and then he got right out. He, he left right away. Right. So, no, I would definitely give it a so, yeah. I, huh? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to change mine to seven and a half. But, yeah. Yeah. So, no, this was definitely good. All right. Uh, next up, we had PN News come to the ring with Peppa and Spinderella of Salt and Peppa. Uh, and then before PN News does his rap, but then before PN News could talk to Tony Schiavone, Johnny B. Bad and Teddy Long come out. Uh, and you know, they're insulting PN News, and then PN News says, All right, let's fight, and then they walk away. This was stupid. Like, really? Yeah, I kind of skipped this. Yeah. I mean, it, it was weird to see Johnny be bad. I'm not a fan of him. But, and then Teddy Long, young Teddy Long. I thought he was, eh. WCW Teddy Long was kind of meh. Oh yeah, but he got better. He got better um, during WWE days. Right. I forgot he was yeah. a ref too. He was a referee after this. Uh yeah, he would be. Or no, he was. Uh, he managed for a while here. Like the rest of his WWE tenure, he was a manager. But then yeah. he became a referee in W in WWF for a while. Before he became manager again, and then eventually GM. Yeah. So. Yeah, WCW tell you wrong. I'm not a fan of. <laughs> right. Not even yeah, it's not even bad. I'm not a fan of either. I thought he was. I thought the character looked. I thought. Yeah, neither neither guy impressed me. 
Yeah. I mean, I would become a fan of Johnny B. Bad later on, but here I wasn't yeah. a fan of his so much. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, next up, it's a loser leaves WCW tag match. Now, it's only the loser of the fall. So if uh, you okay, get yeah. in, you're done. Uh, Iron Anderson and Barry Windham defeated Elegante and Flying Brian. Match only went about three and a half minutes. Elegante didn't really do much, although there was not much he really could do. Pillman eats the fall. Pillman leaves WCW. Of course, that really didn't last long because he would come back under a mask and be known as the Yellow Dog. And then he would get the mask off a few months later because WCW would uh, reinstate him. But what do you think of this man? The Yellow Dog. Nah, I want to get back to the name of Yellow Dog. Who came up with that? I think it was a Dusty thing. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a weird name, but yeah. Yellow Dog. But anyways, uh, um, I thought the match was okay. I thought the storyline was interesting. Um, it was nice to see Barry Windham and uh, a young... Or an Anderson team up, even if it was for less than five minutes. Uh, so I was an okay match. I'll give it a four. Yeah, to me it was. Uh, I didn't really like the stipulation, but uh, Arn and Barry, you yeah. know, because they were Arn and Barry were getting ready for, you know, what they thought was going to be a big program with the Steiners. But, the tag uh, titles. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give it a four, too. All right. Another one of the big matches on the card for the IWGP Tag Team Titles. The champions, the Steiner Brothers, defeated Hiroshi Haste and Masahiro Chono. Uh, after the match, Dick Murdoch and Dick Slater, known as the Hardliners, made their way to the ring, and attacked the Steiner brothers. Now, it's worth noting that Scott Steiner actually tore his bicep during the match. So, this was actually supposed to be done as a way to kind of write Scott off. The problem is, the Steiner brother that they injured was Rick. Oh, yeah. So these two dumb fuck dicks, who, by the way, are both the wrong guy. So rest in peace to both of you, even though you both suck. Uh, They injured the wrong fucking Steiner brother. They were supposed to attack Scott. I mean, uh, um, Scott. Yeah, they were sent out there by Dusty to attack Scott. And they had tried to wrong brother's arm. Yeah. But Rick didn't really get injured, did he? Well, no, they targeted, they targeted Rick's arm. Yeah, which was supposed to be Scott's arm. Yeah. Because it's funny because at the Great American Bash, when Rick was getting ready for the cage match, they talked about how... 
Because the hard line, the storyline they ran at the bash at, the, at the Great American Bash was the hardliners kidnapped Missy Hyatt before she could get in the cage. Uh-huh. And so Jim Ross had said, well, it's because of the hardliners and their attack on Scott back in Knoxville. That's, that's why Scott's not here tonight. And it's like, uh, Jim, they attacked Rick, not Scott. But no, it was just like to me, it was just it was funny because these two guys are two of the meanest, nastiest guys out there. But God, they're stupid. How long before they lost the um, championship tag team titles? I mean, the, the IWGP. The yeah. Steiners had to be stripped of all the belts. Oh, because it's injury. Okay. Because of the injury. Back in those days, if you didn't defend your title within 30 days, you were automatically stripped of it. Uh, I, I, I wish they would do emulate that um, in today's wrestling. I mean, Roman AEW Reigns would have lost the belt three years ago. Yeah, I know. And Brock went and had him those, rain, those um, long rings either. I guess you could say AEW sort of did that, but they they had an interim. Yeah. So, I mean, I I enjoyed the match. I thought it was fun. I I, I thought it was a good hard hitting match. I mean, the post match yeah. to me was funny because Slater and Murdoch are dumb fucks. Yeah. I didn't but realize I'll go out on a limb right now and say I hate Dick Slater. Like, I hated him. I never saw anything in him. I don't know why anybody did. I don't know, like, if he if he was fucking somebody's wife or, or what, or if he was, you know, ass-fucking one of the promoters or... Or, like, if he, like, kidnapped the promoter's children and said, I'll blow their fucking brains out if I'm not given a big push. I don't know. Uh, but there was no way in any of the incarnations that Dick Slater had, like, in WCW, he, this asshole should not have had that big of a run because he fucking sucked. Yeah. And I didn't know that part where he messed up. Like Dick Slater, I mean, Dick Murdoch at least was good for a while. You know, well, as good as a member of the Ku Klux Klan could be, but uh, yeah. Oh, here you. I'm guessing you're home, Clintus. Yes, I'm finally home. All right. Hi, Clintus. What's up? Not much. All right, Clintus, we're at the part of the of uh, Clash of Champions right now. We're talking about the IWGP tag title match where the Steiner brothers defeated uh, the Japanese team of Hase and Chono. Okay. Now, you watch this thing, right? Yes, I did watch it. All right. It's hard to watch. It's, just, it's, it's, 
it's different. I mean, I said before, we were going back to a time that I'm not really familiar with. So it's, it was, I mean, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the attack by the hardliners after? Well, I've never seen him coming. You want to tell him the story, uh, Doug? Okay. So, and I was just telling this to Eric Clinis. When they beat okay. up Rick Steiner, they were they were right. sent out there because Scott tore his bicep during the match. So Dusty sent them out there to beat up Rick Steiner, or to beat up Scott Steiner, or rather, to kind of write Scott Steiner off TV. The idiots attacked the wrong Steiner. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't be everything perfect. Now that explains it. I was wondering why that was happening. It's just... I know something was wrong with Scott, but I didn't understand what it was. And then when he attacked Rick at the end, it was just like, it's so confusing. But like I said, that's why I said I never saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, like they, they, were, they were sent out there to attack Scott to kind of write him off TV. But apparently they saw Rick first, so they went after Rick. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> so yeah. I mean it, it's just it, it's typical WCW and it's typical stupid asses who get a push that they don't fucking deserve yeah uh, so Eric what did you what did you think of the match I thought it was a I thought it was a good hard hard hitting match, a good tackling match. Besides the um ending. I would give it a seven. Okay. I enjoyed it. Cliff, what would you give the match? I'll give it a seven too. Okay. I mean I'm I'm going I'm actually gonna give it an eight because I thought that I mean to be honest with you, I would have given the match a nine but I have to take a point away because of the hard-ons, I mean the hardliners. Uh, yes. Because they, they fucked up. I would have gave it an eight. Like, they, they fucking sucked. Yeah, um, I don't know how... Dusty must have been pissed off when he saw that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Clintus, I'm going to go back to you because we're going to backtrack a little bit here. What did you think of the match between Nikita Koloff and Sting? I think that was a great match. Now, now, like I said, now, like I said before, I don't really know. I went into this like with a blind eye because I don't know none of the background. I just know it's like. Uh, from the headline you read on it, it's just for IWGP t- titles, the main event title. But the match, so, so, but the matches, but that Sting match was like, I I think was probably one of my favorites of the night, to tell you the truth. Right. I really enjoyed that match. Yeah. 
And I think a lot, a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people would agree with that because this was a match. And Eric and I were just talking about it. This was a match where even though Sting won, Nikita Koloff looked great. Right. Like this match did nothing to hurt. Like him losing the match did nothing to hurt him. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Next up, the Diamond Stud with Diamond Dallas Page defeated Wildfire Tommy Rich. This match was really nothing. It was pretty much just to uh, kind of get Diamond Stud over, kind of introduce him on a big on a bigger stage. Uh, Similar to what they did with Kevin Nash. Yeah. Yeah, same thing they did with Nate, with Oz earlier on in the night. Clintus, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of this? Uh, man. All right, I'll have to say this match totally, like, I lost interest into it. I mean, it wasn't because, like I said, I'm not big, I wasn't, like, really hyped up for it. I don't know about. It's nice to see like a, a younger, younger version of DDP, but wasn't like actually wrestling at the time. But in the match, so to me, it was just okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Eric, same question to you. What did you think of the match? I thought it was um, an okay match. Another. I, I saw. I it was interesting to see a young uh, Razor Ramon slash Scott Hall. Right. I, I like to see. Uh, I like that he um, did the Razor's Edge, which was kind of different from what he he um, made it better later on. But yeah, it, it was it was good showcase to see him, a young Scott Hall. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd only give the match a three just because it was just, you know, Scott Hall kind of just doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, get in, get Eric, out. Which, again, yeah. Eric, what would you give it? I'll also give it a three. All right. Clinic? I'll give it a three as well. All right. Up next, I think that this was a great angle because it, you know, kind of – you know, carried on from the match earlier on in the show because it showed that this feud was not over with yet. Jim Ross interviewed young Ben from Knoxville who won a Sting lookalike contest. Uh, this just kind of goes to show that, like, when you interview fans in the crowd, uh, like, especially, like, young kids, they have no idea what the hell's going on. Uh, but, like, he was, like, so happy. Like, he was happy when Sting came out and all that, and Sting picked him up. But then comes the angle where Nikita Koloff attacks Sting with the Russian sickle clothesline, and then it looked like he was going to try to go after the kid. And then the kid's mother jumped in front, and Jim Ross is just standing there waiting to see if Nikita's actually going to take a shot at the kid's mama. 
I thought I thought he might have too. He was smart enough not to. It looked like he was. It looked like he was going to hit him, or it was going to hit her. But then security finally came out. Uh, of course, security led by Doug. I love donuts, Dillinger. Uh, yeah, it took them that long to come out. Oh, Doug Dillinger was a dipshit. Like, this is the same guy who, at a clash the year before, he's actually the guy that fucked up Sting's knee. Yeah. Because he pulled, he's the one that yanked Sting off the cage, and when Sting landed, Sting's uh, patella got torn. Jeez. Because Doug Dillinger doesn't know how to pull a guy off the cage. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought the mom would um, probably slap him. I was waiting for her to, but so Eric, what do you think? What do you think of the angle? I thought it was a good angle to continue the storyline between him and uh, Sting. All right, Clintus, what did you, you think? You could have probably done without the kids, but right. Well, well, actually, now knowing that the story behind it, and I was totally like, "Well, I know, I never thought thought I'd see a, kid, a wrestler go after a kid, a little kid, and thing like that." Now seeing it was all part of another storyline is totally different than what I originally thought, which I was like, "This is craziness. This is out of pocket. This is like, wow!" I thought. I know, I know it's sports entertainment, but you don't need to get that serious with a little kid and a fan, don't you think? <laughs> right, yeah. No, yeah. and the kid the kid couldn't have been more than 10 years old. Yeah, it would make it even worse. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I think it was a good, I mean, like Clinton said, I think it could have done without the kid. Uh, but I do think that, you know, this also helped you know, make Nikita into an even stronger heel. Yeah, exactly. They made him, so, they put him over as a heel. Definitely. Yeah. Next up, we have a match where the winner gets the title shot at the Great American Bash. It's the WCW United States Heavyweight Champion Lex Luger taking on the Great Muda. The number one contender taking on the number two contender. Now, the winner would have gotten the shot at the Great American Bash. However, Luger's U.S. title was not on the line. Therefore, technically in the top ten rankings, Muda would not have been number one. Uh, oh, wow. But, well, because the U.S. champion was always deemed the number one contender. Nintendo. Yep. But the way the top ten rankings worked, and it, it's the same thing with uh, when AEW had the rankings. Is as long as you were ranked in that top ten, you could get a title shot. So that makes sense, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. 
So, like, Flair could defend against guys like Luger and Muda, Beautiful Bobby, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, Elegante, Lord help us, you know, Sting, Nikita, One Man Gang, who I think was ranked in that top ten. So he could defend against all those guys as long as they were still in the top ten. Yep. And the U.S. champion, as you said, is always in the top ten, no matter what. Yeah. So, all right. The U.S. champion was basically their IT champion. The U.S. champion was basically the IT champion of WCW. Right, pretty much. So, Luger wins the match here. He gets the title shot after he blocked the mist and then power slammed Muda. Eric, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a good a good storyline. It was good to see um, the great Muda in action. Um, you may have been with for a short time. I thought the, um, him getting hit in the mist and then still winning was pretty cool. Um, and my question earlier, I was going to ask... Um, did Lex Luger end up winning against Ric Flair, or was that later on that he won the title? So the match ended up being uh, – Flair had left before the Great American Bash because Flair had even said – because you know how I said earlier that Jim Hurd was handpicked – or Jim Hurd handpicked Lex Luger? So, because Ric Flair hated Jim Hurd, Ric Flair hated that decision. Because it didn't matter if he was friends with Lex or not. If Jim Hurd had picked Lex Luger to be the man to beat Ric Flair, Ric Flair was going to tell that person, even if he liked him, to go fuck himself. Damn. So... Luger won the title at the Great American Bash, but he ended up beating Barry Windham in the cage. Ah. So that was going to be his first title that he won. His first world title, yeah. Yeah. And then he... Uh, did he have to drop the U.S. title? Yes, or he did. did. He both? No, he uh, dropped the U.S. title. Sting actually won it in the tournament. Okay. All right, Cliff, what did you think the, of the uh, Muda Luger match? I thought it was a great match, to tell you the truth. Uh, it's nice to see Les Luger get a win and had and uh, go get a title shot against had a great American bash. So yeah. All right, Cliff, what would you give the match? I'll give it a eight. All right. Uh, I can I can agree with giving it an eight. Eric, what about you? I'll give it. An, I'll give it a. Give it, it told the story and and it set up um Luger. Right. All right. Next up, stunning Steve Austin making one of his first major television appearances. Taking on Jumping Joey Mags. Goes about 30 seconds. Austin gets the win. Eric, 
this is probably the earliest Steve Austin match you've probably watched so far, right? Yeah. I thought he was pretty good in the ring um, for what um, his early WCW days. Um, I thought it was interesting to watch him in early Stone Cold. I, I said earlier with the other three, other three young guys. Um, yeah. The match itself, I would probably give it a uh, well, a five. Okay. Oh no, it was twenty five seconds. So never mind. Wait. Yeah, because the ending was weird. I, they didn't even show his finisher. Did, um, right. What, what was her What was her name? It was in the way. So never uh, mind. I didn't give it a five. I give it probably a. I probably give it a two. Okay. Because you didn't even see the ending. Right. Clintus, what did you think? I'm not a big fan of squash matches. Like, you can take a squash matches on, like, a big car or a big, like, show. So I hated it. Not it's just the whole aspect. I mean, if it's Clash of the Champions. It's like you want to be a big show, put on, like, at least a great match, not no two or five-second match. So, no. I wasn't a big fan of it, and I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> okay. I mean, I can understand that. I'm I'm actually going to agree with Clintus and give it a one just because, you know, it's a big show like this. So, like, and squash, because we already saw two squash matches earlier on with Oz, you know, winning his match, Diamond Stud winning his match. And this one just kind of, like, you know, you would expect to see more wrestling out of Austin. But, yeah, you know, it is what it is. All right, Let's, next up, we have Richard Morton joining the York Foundation. The big interview, the big reveal, which technically was spoiled earlier on when he kicked Dustin Rhodes in the honker. Uh, Robert Gibson comes out to try to talk sense to him. Sends into him. Richard Morton then attacks Robert Gibson, gives him a pile driver. Clintus, what did you think of this segment? It was all right. I mean, I, it, is, it was what it was. Yeah. All right. Eric, what did you think? Um, yeah. it kind of it broke my heart when um he turned on uh, his uh his um probably best friend and tag team partner in the Legends of uh, it kind of broke my heart. I didn't see that coming. Right, and how, fat, how and yeah, this suit really made really made Richard Morton look fat. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ! Like Richard and Richard Morton's a little skinny guy, but he comes out in that suit. He looks like he can't even fit through the fucking door. <laughs> now, how long did this heel turn heel um, run last? Uh, he was a heel, I think, till he left the company in summer in uh, mid '92. Oh wow! So he did last couple. Um, almost a year. Now, 
Well, now the York Foundation only lasted till uh, December. Oh, okay. All right, so here's what's funny about the York Foundation. It was a stable that was mostly mid-card guys. You know, Mr. Hughes was there for a little bit, but then Alexandra sold him to uh, to Lex Luger so he could be Luger's bodyguard. Oh, okay. And so Thomas, Thomas Rich, you know, Tommy Rich from earlier in the show, he joined up with the York Foundation. The York Foundation really was supposed to be Terrence Taylor, Z-Man, Dustin Rhodes, and beautiful Bobby all together. But Dusty kind of had an issue with turning those three guys heel. So they decided to do it with Richard Morton and Thomas Rich instead. Oh, wow. That's where Tommy Rich, Tommy Rich fought earlier in the night, too. Yeah. So he would join them. Oh, no, like was he would join them a few weeks later. Johnny Rich um, related to him. I think they were cousins. Okay. All right. Next up, the main event: two out of three falls for the world heavyweight title. Ric Flair taking on beautiful Bobby Eaton. It went all three falls. Uh, Eaton. Won the first fall. Flair won the second fall by count out. And then Flair won the third fall. Uh, Clintus, what did you think of the main event? I enjoyed it very, very much. I think it lived up to what the description said, what it was um, supposed to be. I mean, uh, Rick Flair, great in the ring. I I really enjoyed this, this younger version of Rick. The younger version of Rick Flair is probably like the probably the youngest I've seen him wrestle at this time. So, and the great move put on um, a great show. I like seeing him up two out three falls, go all three falls, and everybody and then just went all out. So yeah. And I got to tell you, like, that fir- that first fall was awesome. Like, and the fact that Bobby yeah. was able to hit his finish and get that first fall. Uh, I mean, I loved it. And, like, at one point, it almost looked like Bobby could have won the world title. Yeah. I thought he might have. I mean, it was a good baby face trying to win the title and Ric Flair um, winning the second fall by count out, but, but I, it might have was very good. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, like I said, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, personally, I would give them, I would give the match a nine. I would uh, give it an eight and a half. Right. I'll give it a 10. Okay. So, yeah, no, the, 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 match was, the match was excellent. I mean, there are two guys who, 
you know, were probably considered at that time the two greatest wrestlers in the world. And, you know, the fact that Bobby was kind of being given this push and, you know, a lot of people had faith that Bobby could put on a really good wrestling match with Flair. And I'm pretty sure Flair actually requested to work with him. So... No, it was. I, I thought the, this match was perfect. I thought it was a really good main event. Uh, so let's do some final thoughts here, uh, and then we'll then we'll head out now. Uh, but before we do that, Clintus, this is actually your last show for a couple weeks, right? Right. You're going to Jamaica for your birthday. Oh, I'm going for a wedding. Friends away. Oh. Okay. But you're just so happy and also going to be gone on your birthday. Hey, at least, at least two days after my birthday, so yeah. Okay. So, all right. Uh, well, I hope you have a good time, Clintus. Nail yourself a bridesmaid there, Clintus. <laughs> I will. Good to know. All right. Uh, let's do some final thoughts. Eric, I'll start with you. Overall, I thought I thought the show was um, pretty good uh, for uh, Class of the Champions. It was one of the first classes I watched. Um, I thought it was a good show. For, uh, good. It's not a pay-per-view, but it was a good uh, TV, TV uh, more than a TV show because it was a class of champions, but overall, it was probably, I would say, a two or three match card, but with some good storylines and stuff, I would give it a eight out of ten. Okay. There were some good storylines, too, that were developing. Right. Yeah. All right. Clintus? All right. So I want to give it also, I'll say a Seven out of ten, I think. The, the Sting match and the champion and uh, the Ric Flair match really was uh, putting put the show over the top. I wasn't a big fan of the whole that little kid segment and a lot of the squash matches they had on there. So that's why I'm giving it a seven out of ten. Okay. Um. And see, here's the thing about this. See, I kind of grew up on the Clash of Champions. Uh. You know, because I've been, I'm pretty sure I've been watching wrestling long, the longest out of the three of us. Because I've been, because I'm pretty sure I came out of the womb watching it. Uh, I mean, you could say four of us, I mean, including Daniel. Yeah, but he's downstairs recovering from an operation. Uh, Yeah. But. Like the thing is, is because I grew up on these on these specials, and I've seen. I don't know if I necessarily say I would see. I've seen all of them. I mean, I've seen all of them now. Like I've seen all. Huh? How many is there? There's over like forty, right? Thirty-five. 
35. They quit running them in 1997. They had their last one in August of 97 because they knew they were going to start Thunder. Okay. So... uh, They didn't really have that many title matches. Wouldn't... Because they only had one title match on the show. No, two title matches. Uh, no, they had the uh, the world title match and or yeah, well they had the IWGB tag title match too. Yep. There's been some significant title changes on the on these shows. So, I'll ask you this: What um, other one would you recommend to watch? If I wanted to watch one like tonight or something, uh, I would go to any of the ones from 1994. Okay. Uh, because like I really like those. Uh, another one that I think is really good. Uh, although I think a lot of people might, you know, sh- I think a lot of people do shit on it, but. I really like the one from January of 93 because it was the Thunder Cage. The problem is is because okay. they had so many guys that were hurt at the time that uh, the eight-man tag turned into a three-on-two because guys were hurt. But that also kind of cemented uh, the babyface turn to Cactus Jack. Ooh. Intriguing. Yeah. So, so they've had, like, several, like, memorable clashes. Uh, Like, the years 19, uh, let's say 1989 from, like, 1992 in both WWF and WCW as as well as other companies is my favorite time period in wrestling because I was little back then and I really didn't know any better, so... You know, I kind of enjoyed a lot of the stuff I saw on TV when I was a kid. Mm. Even though a lot of it probably sucked. But to me, these are nostalgic shows, and I really enjoyed... See, I love this class of champions for the... uh, Basically, for the the fact that like so much shit technically went wrong on this show because guys fucked up. Yeah, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was a fun show. Yeah, but it was it was fun to watch. I mean, I I loved it. I mean, it wasn't the greatest show. It wasn't the greatest show in the world. Uh, I would get. I would give it a seven. So, but I mean, personally, this show holds a special place in my heart. Oh. So. With that being said, I don't know what we're going to do next week because, Eric, you're not even on the show next week, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, because um, my cousin's getting married. Yeah. Yeah, because your, your relatives don't know how to schedule family functions around our shows. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I almost forgot. So, uh, so I don't know exactly what we're doing next week yet. I do know that tomorrow Eric and I are planning on doing part two of the hockey of our NHL hockey team tier list on uh, Unscripted Unlimited, which will probably be around seven o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. Uh, obviously, check us out on Unscripted Wrestling, six thirty p.m. Eastern time on Friday nights. Uh, check out Boxman and Snark, the wrestling outlet. I haven't plugged them in a while, but that's also because Boxman really hasn't done shit for me. But since he handed me a ballot for uh, the cartoon countdown, I'll go back to plug the show. Uh, so listen to them Wednesday nights uh, about 10.15, 10.20 Eastern Time on YouTube. And listen to the Stabcast Sundays. Uh, between 3 p.m. Eastern or, or whatever time they do it on Sundays because it usually varies on Mindy's work schedule with Daniel and Mindy. So uh, listen to that. Uh, thank you, guys. This was fun. I'm glad I exposed you guys to something new. Yep. Thank you, Doug. You're a good host. Thank you. And I'm glad, right. Clintus, I'm glad that after watching this show, you're not completely questioning your life choices. Yeah, I'm not. Because, yeah. like, I, I got to be honest, like, I was not necessarily worried, but I was wondering, I was just like, Clintus is going to hate me for picking this. Actually, that's the first thing I thought of when you changed that show and put it on there. <laughs> That was what's the first thing I went to unlock. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like why is he? Why is this asshole making me watch something from 1991? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the exact words that went right through my mind. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm glad that like there was like I'm glad there were some bright spots. There was. Oh. There definitely was. Yeah. So, uh, all right, everybody take it easy. Have yourselves a good weekend. Eric, I'm sure I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yep. Everybody be safe out there. Have a good weekend. Cliff, enjoy your trip. Be safe. All right. All right. Later, guys. You guys have fun. Later. Later. Yep. <laughs>